we have read, it's, it's not a surprise that the word apocalypse has come to mean, <laughs> you know, horrific things happening. But remember, the word apocalypse simply means to reveal something. In this book, is, is God pulling back the curtain and saying, I want you to know what's coming. And what is the value of knowing what's coming? To adjust your course. To live in light of these truths. Now, of course, the, the, the main section of this book is this time known as the tribulation. It lasts seven years. For us, it's about uh, eight weeks, I think. <laughs> and we are going through this to see. And the purpose of the tribulation is what? To freak people out about how destroyingly God can act toward sinners? Well, that might be part of it. But the main thrust of all of this is to restore the nation of Israel into a proper relationship with God through Jesus. Because you will recall... Jesus, as they were about to crucify him, looked at the leaders and said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, until you are blessing my name and you are putting your faith in me, you're not going to see me again. Now here we are in chapters 15 and 16, and we are inching ever closer to that return of Christ in its, his glorious return, and, and how Israel will indeed come to faith in Christ. Let we look at it today. I have had professors who were um, Jews and uh, friends and neighbors who were Jews, and we've had wonderful conversations, but my friends, they would not budge on Jesus. But I'll tell you this, there will be a day when the nation of Israel will come to faith in Jesus. So that's the whole thrust of this book. So let's pray together and we'll dive in and uh, do this little study. Father, be honored in our world and our thoughts as we engage with this, your word. Help us to earnestly focus on this truth that is laid out before us. God, that we might better understand who you are, and in understanding who you are, respond appropriately. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you think about God? What is the picture that you... I, I'm not talking about an image. I hope that there's not an image of God in your head, because I could probably guarantee you you've missed it. But what is it about God that comes to mind? His power? Uh, the fact that God is the God of creation? I mean, look at all those wonderful leaves out the window. You know, it was just not too long before everything was... It was just dead weeks ago, just brown everywhere, and suddenly, pff, part of His design. And it happens every year. We know it's coming. Consistent. So what about, is it his powers? Is, is it his goodness? I'm sure you thank God for his goodness and the good things he brings into your life on a regular basis. Don't, don't you? I hope so. I hope that you are... How about his grace? God giving to us that which we do not deserve, particularly Jesus. 
How about his mercy? God not giving to us what we do deserve. But what about his holiness? Or his justice? Does that ever come to mind? That God is a holy God? That he is a just God? And what that means, my friends, is he will punish sinners. He will. That's what the cross was a great evidence of. This is how God feels about your sin. Take a look at the cross and what they did to Jesus, who willingly went to the cross in our place. He died for our sin and rose from the dead. That's the gospel, by the way. Yeah. Well, my friends, if you are to have a right biblical view of God, you must see God as a just God who will punish sin. I mean, consider Psalm chapter 11, verses 4 to 7. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see. His eyelids test the children of man. And the Lord tests the righteous but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Conversation on the way in with my wife this morning. Did you read about that? Just, uh, did you have one of those alerts go off on your phone? It was like, what is that, like the fifth one this week? It seemed like if it wasn't. Children who are missing being taken. She says, did you hear? This guy broke into a house and took a four-year-old out and then, and then murdered this child and then went back in for his twin. And you think, how evil are people? It is no surprise when we think of these things. When we read the Scriptures that tells us that the Lord's soul hates the wicked, the same way that you do. There are some evil, wicked, horrible people in there. Just out in this world. And you and I every now and again have some pretty evil, wicked thoughts, don't we? We're not going to share them this morning, right? We're going to overcome them. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, in verse 28, warned people, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. God hates sin. I don't often think of God as hating anything, but my friends, certainly you agree with it. That there are parents putting out cigarettes on their children. Does that not just make you tense and angry? You agree with God. You agree with God. Where is justice? In Psalm 711, we read that God is a just God, and God is angry with the wicked every day. Hebrews 10.31 tells us it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Know this, my friends, God is a holy and just God, and know this for sure, that God will have His justice. Look at verse 1. 
here is yet another one of these interludes between the justice the that the, the God is judgment that he's raining down on sinners during this seven-year period of tribulation, particularly during the last half. And so here is this picture in heaven. And John writes here, I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels. And he's not talking about just the angels. He's talking about what's happened that is great and amazing. And these seven angels have seven plagues with them. And this word plague doesn't just mean sickness. It certainly involves this. But this word is better understood as just a blow. And that's what the intent of all of these plagues are. Just like uh, uh, all the way back to in the, the book of uh, Exodus, it, where the nation of Israel is, has been enslaved by this, this giant nation of Egypt, there's two and a half million is, uh, um, Jews in slavery. And God tells Pharaoh to let my people go. Since, go ahead, tell them. The Lord says, you know, let my people go. And he goes three times. And you know what Pharaoh says? Who is the Lord that I should listen to him? Anybody ever heard of the ten plagues? (laughs) Yeah, and it is a good warning to us. But you know what? Every one of those was not designed just to be a horrific thing. It was an attack on every god that they had in Egypt. You know, uh, the the translation of the word um, Lord there was was Yahweh. Who is Yahweh? I've never heard of that guy. I've got a whole room full of gods. Never heard of that one. You won't forget them now. And in comes the plagues, which were a lesson. My friends, these were an act of grace. And you say, well, how is a punch in the gut an act of grace? Well, maybe because it wasn't a punch in the face. Because it was to wake them up before they are destroyed. That's the purpose of this, this seven years. Why is there seven years, not seven minutes of just absolute destruction? Because God is using these things. Why do we go through difficult things in our world? Because God is using all things together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. Growth takes place under difficult loads, my friends. It takes place when things are tough and we learn to trust And we learn to reach out to God. Well, my friends, here are these seven angels. Now, you know that that, uh, these judgments came in in sevens. (laughs) There were seven seals that were unrolled as judgments. And then there were seven trumpets that were blown. And each time some horrific event came. And eventually people looked at one another and said, Hey, something's going on here. And now we get to the last series of judgments. Seven bowls poured out. Now, these, these, these bowls were not like big buckets, you know. The, the word here simply is going to mean just this shallow bowl, like a soup bowl or something. And, um, and it's going to be poured out. But notice this, my friends. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last 
for with them the wrath of God is finished. And so we are about to depart this seven years of tribulation, and things are going to change, my friend. Now remember, the purpose is to bring the elect to faith in Christ. And in regard to this being finished, we are reminded in Mark chapter 13, verse 20, where Jesus said, and if the Lord, talking about this event to come, and if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. Seven years sounds like a long time of all of these things. But friends, it's cut short. That's grace. Now, my friends, God's holiness demands these things. God will have justice, and His holiness demands it. Now, what is this word holiness? It sounds like a church word. Who you, you know, other than an expression I've picked up somewhere along the line of, it's, uh, it's an, in, uh, what is it? Oh, gosh. You know, when you say, oh, boy, apparently what comes out of my mouth is holy buckets. I sound like one of those old dudes, you know? <laughs> He's got a weird phrase, but it, you know, and, and, and what's going on here? Holiness means to be set apart. In other words, it is so different and unique. It is unlike anything else. And that is certainly true of God. But with the word holiness is also connected to the word purity. And you know what purity is? one thing. Remember the old uh, ivory soap was 99, let's say 44 and 99th percent. Uh, I don't remember if that's the right fraction, but they used the word pure even though they just told us it wasn't. Yeah. Purity. One thing. I think there was a song written recently about one thing. If you could do one thing. If your life was about one thing. What would it be about? When I was a kid, it may have been football, you know? Carried a ball around with me, laid in bed, threw it at the ceiling, targeting little bugs on the <laughs> whatever was flying around, whatever happened to be there. And maybe aiming at the last mark I left there from throwing the football. Football this, football that. One thing. But what's the best thing? that you could do with your life? What is the one thing? Ought it not be living for God? Hallowed be His name in every area of my life. So God's holiness demands it. Take a look at, at what continues here. There's a bunch of people there in heaven that He sees. So who are they? Well, Verse 2, and I saw what appeared to be a seal of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast in its image, that's the Antichrist, and the image and the number of his name. These people endured. They said, no, we will not buy into this system. We will not be a part of worshiping that which is not God. And they were persecuted for it. As a matter of fact, they're killed. And there they are in heaven. But they endured, even at the cost of their own life. Well, there's that age-old question. You know, what would you be willing to die for? 
And if you're not willing to die for it, is it really worth living for? I mean, what's worth all of it? I mean, all of the time and all of the energies, all of the use of your skills, your abilities. What's the one thing, my friends? Well, I want you to see what these folks are doing here. These are people who died, were brutalized on earth because of their faith in Christ. And there they are standing before the throne. We know this. It says they're standing beside this sea of glass with harps and God in their hands. So they're, they're before the throne. That's where this, this sea of glass is. Now, there's that age-old image of everybody's in heaven and suddenly we've turned into angels. But this is not true. And you know this, right? You're not going to die. Look, Bugs Bunny cartoons taught that, not the Bible, okay? (laughs) You know, somebody got an anvil dropped on them. Suddenly they got wings and a harp, you know? (laughs) Not what the Bible teaches. But this particular group of people, and by the way, the harp isn't one of these things, you know? It's one of these things. You know, it was meant to be played this way. Well, there's a different picture, isn't it? Huh? Wow. And so there they are with the harps of God, and they're singing praises to God. And they sing the song of Moses. Remember that Moses guy who endured all kinds of suffering at the hands of the Egyptians, and yet God set them free. And when they were set free, Moses gave the nation of Israel a song to sing. And look what they're singing about here. It's a song of the Lamb. That's Jesus saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just just and true are your ways. God is a God of justice and truth, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord And glorify your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And so here are these folks celebrating God's actions, judgment on sin, and praising Him because of it. And so, my friends... God's holiness demands justice. And here in chapter 15, verse 5, we see God's justice in action. We see God's wrath is sourced in holiness. After this, John says, I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. You may recall that God had instructed Moses to build a tabernacle. It's a basically fancy word for a big tent. And all of the measurements were given. And it was a pattern of that which was in heaven. And and here we see a glimpse of that right there. And so there's a sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven. And it was opened and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues. Clothing, and what are they wearing? Clothing that reflects the holiness of God. This sanctuary that just bespeaks of the holiness of God. You know, inside of the temple, inside of this this tabernacle, there was a holy of holies 
where only one person could go one time every year. And it was such a holy place. My friend, you recall that they tied a rope around his ankle in case he was careless and God struck him dead so they could pull him out. That's how serious the holiness of God is. And so God's wrath is sourced in His holiness. These angels came out of this this place. And they're commissioned to mete out God's wrath. Look at verse 7. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bulls full of the wrath of God. You will note that they weren't uh, shallowly poured so that they not not spill it. My friends, these bulls were full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary, look at verse 8, separation because of God's holiness. It was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power. And no one could enter this sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. And so, my friends, God's wrath is sourced in holiness. And know that His wrath is just. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 16. Verse 1 of chapter 16. And here are these seven bowls being poured out. In verse 1, that I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. And so this one is primarily targeted at those who are worshiping Antichrist. Remember, they were to receive a mark on their forehead, on their wrist. They would not be able to buy or sell. No, you can't go to the grocery store. You can't buy any gas for your car. You can buy nothing without that. Now, tell me how long you hold out. Right now, your money is worthless because of your faith in Jesus. Let's go back and think about those people praising God. And they endured till the end, till they died, my friends. And so this particular wrath is targeting these people, my friends. So it is full of painful sores. And it came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Then the second bowl, verse 3, the second angel poured out his bowl into the sea. And it became like blood of a corpse and every living thing died that was in the sea. And this is similar to exactly what, uh, you know, the Lord told Moses to put his staff into into the Red Sea and it became blood. Now, it was the Nile, wasn't it? Not the Red Sea. That was already red. <laughs> All right. And so the seas are turning into blood. Now, as if that is terrible enough, I mean, who can drink the seawater anyway? All of the fresh water is now turned to blood. Look at verse 4. 
The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and springs and water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O holy one. So look at this. The angel just bursts out in praise watching this happen. Blessed, just. It is right that you are judging sinners who is and was. For you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. It is just. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Our judgments, not so much true and just all the time. Having a bad day, driving to work, and somebody just... Um, oh, you got to pull in front of me. And, oh, you know. We th- well, they just change lanes, people. It's okay. <laughs> so we're not always so just, but God is just. God is just. Fourth bowl, verse 8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl in the sun and was allowed to scorch people with fire. This horrific heat. And they were scorched by the fierce heat. And they, and look at how they responded. They cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. And they did not repent or give him glory. My friends, imagine all of these horrific events happening in your world. And you're like, nope, not giving up. When I was a kid, I could take my friend's arm, put it behind his back, and he would give up in like three seconds. Uncle, uncle, uncle! He'd do that to me every once in a while, unless you think I'm a bully. (laughs) But here are these sinners demonstrating that this is precisely what is needed. The intensity of their suffering. They did not repent of their deeds. Now here in verse 12, we see the sixth bowl. The river is dried up here. Look at this. But this is very significant. The sixth angel, verse 12, poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. You know what that's all about? That river, which was once an obstacle, is now a highway for all of the kings of the earth to gather together in opposition of the Lord. Well, friends, that is not going to work out well. Look what's going on here. Angels are pouring out death everywhere. Oh, we're going to stand against them. That's what we'll do. That's just a bad decision. If God is standing in your way, my friend, that's grace. That is God saying... It's time to turn. And only a fool keeps on going. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, Antichrist and his false prophet. 
and uh, three, uh, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they were demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle for the great day of God the Almighty. And behold, verse 15, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, you heard about it. All of the kings of the world come to oppose God. Well, apparently we're right at the end now, aren't we? And here is the seventh bowl. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done! And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. And so great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away. No more mountains were to be found. And great hailstones about a hundred pounds each from hell from heaven on people, and they cursed God. They cursed God for the plague of hail because the plague was so severe. And to the very end, my friends, these people refused to repent, to defy God, demonstrating that God's wrath is just. It is holy. So my friends, the application we're looking at here today is this. Be holy for God is holy. It is not worth the effort to oppose Him, my friends. It only leads to destruction. And a couple of reminders here, my friends. To diminish God's holiness is to create a God of our own liking, which is by the way, what the nation of Israel did. That didn't work out very well for them as God sent a plague throughout that nation as well. To honor God, we must strive for a holy life, a life set apart for His pleasure and His purposes. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Paul writes, Do you not know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit of God, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, you belong to Him. So whose business ought you to be about with those hands, with those feet, with that mind? with that heart. Holiness, my friend, all in. All in. And notice this, no matter how you have been hurt, hear me when I say this, that justice is not ours to deliver, but it belongs to God at the perfect time, 
and in a perfect way. Be holy, my friends. Father, help us. We know the truth. It's evident before us that you are a holy God and that you have called us to be holy, to be pure. One focus, one thing, and it is you. You are the reason that we do what we do. You are the reason that we do it in the way that we do it. Because you are worthy. God, change our minds. Change our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.